Hey, thanks for joining us for the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. We recently had the privilege of interviewing author and Bible teacher Beth Moore, and it was such a great conversation that we're splitting our discussion into two parts. We hope you'll join us next week for part two, where Beth shares about her decision to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. But now, here's part one of our discussion with Beth Moore. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now... Podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Sen Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Beth Moore. Dun, dun. Beth needs little introduction. Her teaching ministry has taken her across the United States to challenge tens of thousands of people. She's from Houston, Texas, where she leads Living Proof Ministries, and she's written multiple best-selling books and Bible studies, including her latest, co-authored with her daughter, Melissa, Now That Faith Has Come, a study of Galatians. We're looking forward to hearing from Beth. But before we do that, let's go to our host, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer. Hey, and it's good to see you, Beth, as well. And to talk about Galatians. Galatians is kind of like the book that you've got some real explaining to do. you got to have some conversations about some parts of that as well. But also, too, I think it's going to have a lot of relevance to some of the conversations that we're having today. And of course, you wrote this one, Melissa, we got to talk about that. But let's start first and foremost. You say and that Galatians is, quote, wildly interesting and astonishingly relevant to our present world, unquote. Why is that? Well, first, let me tell you guys, I am so happy to be on here with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel and Ed. Um, you are a really, really dear friend to me, Ed, and uh, Daniel, you are a new friend, so I look forward to getting to know you, and yes, it is so wildly interesting, and before I say how relevant, let me say that one thing that makes it so interesting is that he is in, in the terminology we've used today, a whole mood, and one of the things that makes me smile about this, Ed, I think you know that I do this, but one of the practices, if it's a shorter book of the Bible, so if it's doable, like I wouldn't be able to do this with Jeremiah or Isaiah or even Luke, but with one of the shorter books, like Second Timothy, like um, Ephesians, like like Galatians, uh, those kinds of things, like James, one of the ways that I'll really study for that particular Bible study writing is to memorize the book. I always feel like, okay, that to know it so well that I could say it from memory is just, it's, it's really helpful. It is its own way of studying. And so one of the ways that I do that over and over again is that I do my reciting on a walk around my property, which aligns with my neighbors. And so I always wonder when I, when I'm practicing Galatians, I always think to myself, what do you think my neighbors are thinking? Don't you know, they think I'm mad at someone (laughs) because he's just like, I mean, it begins, he can barely get his greeting out of his mouth before he's going, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So it is just like, whoa, it begins strong and it stays strong. So I just love it. And it, it was, I got to tell you, um, 
Melissa would say the same thing during a very, very difficult season of our lives. And, and let's admit it, a, a, a very difficult season of all of our lives, yeah. um, nationally, of course, globally, but nationally, mm -hmm. such a time of division and all. But it was really life-saving because at a time when you're thinking, have I lost my ever-loving mind? And sometimes the answer to that question is yes, and we have, and we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it biblically. Other times it's like, okay, okay, uh, this steadies me and it, it's an anchor for me. So the whole time I was working on it, I was going through uh, such a difficult season at odds with some of the people that I love most sure. in the world understand. So uh, it was very steadying. And I also got to, I had so much frustration built up in me that even teaching and reciting it was very, very cathartic because I could sort of put that angst into it. And so, oh man, I love it. You, you name an issue on the table today in the church at large, and I'm talking about, let's, so let's say American Christianity, I'll, sure. I'll narrow it down that much. Uh, it's somewhere most likely reflected in this book. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if you guys know this, but I think this is fascinating. I, did you know that Eugene Peterson was very concerned over his congregation at a time when he was watching white flight in a neighborhood where there had been peace and joy. And he was watching what was happening. He was watching a reaction in his own congregation uh, to a number of black families moving in. And he thought, you know, this is not how I raised this congregation. I'm putting, I'm putting some words in his mouth there, but it's like, wait, wait, this is, this was not us. This, this is not us. So he decides that it, that Galatians so speaks to it. And, you know, being the, uh, the, the man of such uh, study of the original languages in, in the scriptures, he decided that the way he was going to tackle the issues at hand in regard to racism, for example, is he decided to translate Galatians. Galatians was the first book, Ed and Daniel, that he ever translated wow. into contemporary language. And he did it in order to teach it to his congregation for this very reason. And he tell, there's a whole chapter in this book where he tells it, and it's in the study. Uh, we got permission from his family and from the publisher to actually put it in. So that's how much he felt that it spoke to it. And speaks how it speaks to legalism is absolutely astonishing. Yeah. And we'll get to that. But another way, one of the things that really cries out to me about the simplicity of the gospel it's, it's not the gospel plus. You can't say, but but everyone that believes this would also be there. No, 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 no. The gospel, any distortion of it is still what he calls. That's another gospel. Yeah. And that it most reflects that our belief in the gospel is most reflected by the activity of the spirit through the through the fruit of the spirit. Huge. Absolutely huge. Powerful. So okay, so so I want to read, um, and I know you have memorized, so you could read it too. But you can't do that at the same time because the sound won't work. But it, verse six: uh, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one 
who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Yes. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven yes. should preach a gospel other than the one we are preaching, you, let them be under God's curse. Yes. Now, I, I, I will tell you, um, I, I have watched evangelicalism for the last 10 years, and I have seen a significant of segment of evangelicalism, in my view, become almost bewitched in ways that have led them away from the gospel that have seemed to push them towards some nationalism or some conspiracy theories or giving up on values that yes. were important to them. You and I have been publicly vocal yes. about that at, at cost uh, yes. for, for both of us. But so when I when I read this, I immediately I mean, they're dealing with different issues, right? We don't want to and, and you're you, you don't you don't make the leap that I just made in the study. But I, but I think there's a leap to be made here. Uh, how is it that we were running so well and yes. we're so easily yes. tripped up? So, and he so, does I mean, say I, it. Please, he does ahead. say, who has yeah. bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Yeah. Who has bewitched you? And, and when you look at that word, and we do get into that, it's when, yeah. when something is so out of right. No, no, I just want to say, I, you, I definitely know you get into it. I'm saying oh, you didn't yes. make the correlation that no. I made over the last 10 years. Uh, no, uh, but it is very much there. And I thought yeah. about it so much that how can we, and, and, and let me say this quickly, I do say we, because this could happen to any of us and all of us, perhaps, especially those who are my age um, and even your age and you're younger and Daniel, you're younger, I'm assuming, than both of us by a long shot. Any of us could look back over our shoulder and think of a time when we were like, I, I don't know what was going on in my head just bewitched, but we have really seen what, what I would call that. And one of the things that comes out in Galatians that is so strong, Galatians 2, when Paul calls Peter out and he calls him by the name of Cephas, and he calls him out and says, because you were not acting, this is so important. I hope, I hope this is new to somebody. He says, because you were not walking in step with the truth of the gospel. And, hmm. and it, it is a paradigm that there can be times. I don't, I don't like division. I don't like being at odds with people that I love so much. Those that have been my peers, my co-laborers in the gospel. I, I hate that. I hate it. But there are times when leaders do have to say, to other leaders, wait, this, this doesn't seem in step with the gospel. What, what is it that would, be, that would be cohesive with it, that would go alongside of it? And I say this because we'll very often go, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, this gives us an example of where we say, but is it in step? When, when we look at Christ in, say, for instance, the four canonical gospels, when we see his life, what he was like, who he was drawn to, what, what, what kind of mercy he had, the compassion that flowed from him. What are things that are in step with that? So it is a very relevant question to ask. Beth, first of all, I want to say thank you for acknowledging that I am I am younger. Substantially. Yes. I think she did yes. say I want to say thank you, Miss Beth. Yes. Um, you are yeah. welcome, Daniel. <laughs> but I, and, and I love that you uh, uh, co-wrote this and co-authored it with uh, Melissa, because that multi-generational perspective, yes. I, I think, does make a big difference. And I, I'd like to know, like, from your perspective, as you look back on the last few years, um, 
last decade or so. Why do you think so many evangelicals in America have been misled? I think that I said not too long ago, and I believe it to be true, that all of us that are called to discipleship have to own up to some large degree that it is a failure of discipleship, Mm -hmm. that somehow we turned this whole thing into, you can tell how much we walk with Christ by how perfect our doctrine is. And please don't anyone turn off the podcast right now (laughs) because we have to pursue sound doctrine, but we have lost the fact that the whole point, and Paul himself says it, he says it in Romans chapter eight, that what is happening to us um, by the spirit is that we are being conformed into the image of Christ. It's about Christ's likeness. That is the point. And so when we react in fear, and I think that is so much at the root of what we have seen in the last years, that we would think, okay, we have to put our trust in a human being. We have to, because, I mean, this is politics, or this is government, or this is different from the church. No, no, Christ is king over his church, and our trust is in him. And so when something is way out of whack with our values, then we have to go, well, this is where we're going to have to stand. And listen, this, 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 system does not give us an option that holistically presents to us the issues that are gospel to us. So we're going to have to scoot back from it and go, okay, all right, we're, we're a different people than this. How do we respond to this Mm. instead of that? We're constantly looking for someone to save us and that we have to have our champion. We have a champion. We have a champion. And I, I just, I think that was so much at the root of it, fear that we've got to be power. Um, I think for powerful people, it was power. I think for a lot of the populace, it was fear. We need, we need someone to come and save us. And I'm, I'm not going to say that the issues weren't very very difficult and very hard to work through and weren't very, very real. I'm simply saying that in the midst of dealing with them, we have got to deal with reality and we've got to deal with them as people of the gospel with holistic gospel values that value all of life from the moment of conception to the moment of death. Yeah. And I I think, um, you know, you speaking up on these things has cost you some um, and, and, and for me, I guess the biggest surprise for me, and I've heard you say similar things, we've talked about similar things, is there are people that, you know, I've, I've, I've known you for a couple of decades, and you've been teaching the same thing, sharing this, loving the same Jesus. Yes. I, I don't know that I've had theological shifts in my life. People might say I need to have more theological shifts in my life, but I'm pretty much theological where I was. Yes. But I see people that I was in journey with, and I look at them now, and I'm like, I don't understand what's happened to you. I don't know what happened. Uh-huh. And, and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not everybody who came to different conclusions that maybe you and I might have come to in the last election or whatever it may be. Right. But it's just some people. It's been there's their faith again. Back to that passage here. I literally hear some people throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And 
I see things that are just now overtly nationalistic and aggressively yes. so, and and coming at Christians who may differ. Sometimes Christians, maybe people of color, have different views, or Christians yes, who just yeah. differ on 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 maybe politics or whatever. And I've just never seen this level of vitriol yeah. from I people. Now again, we've all seen the vitriol, but from people that you and I knew, who somehow yes. just have seemed to be bewitched. But when I looked at your study, and I, I think that's the thing that really is pretty stunning, is and again, people can learn more uh, at lproof.org. You can get more information about the study. But when I look at your study, I am actually like, this is not the first time. It's not the same way, but this is not the first time that people have ended up misled, confused, um, and ultimately preaching another gospel. So when you look to Galatians, what hope does it give you for the future, or does it give you hope for the future of the church today? Oh, it absolutely does, because when he gets toward the end of the letter, you can see, I mean, he is so heated up in the beginning, and boy, does it ever peak. But do you know that in, in the original language, the very last thing he says is that he I love says, it. I love the, the, pa- I love the sound of pages, the sound of yes. Bible pages. Isn't it beautiful? That's, I love that's it That's the Beth Moore that I know, the sound I, of I Bible pages. I love it pages. too. But yep, he yep. ends with brothers and sisters. I mean, those are his final uh, words in the letter because he, he loves, he loves them so much. And he ends with how to, how to help up a fallen brother. He ends with uh, this beautiful uh, picture of coming alongside and carrying one another's burdens. But boy, in the midst of it, he is really fighting for the preservation of truth for them. What he believes that you are being being misled. And one of the things that I so appreciate in the letter in chapter two, because it's, it's such an important uh, part of, of uh, the book, he's talking about the influence of people coming in that Peter knows are going to disapprove of the fact that he has opened up his heart and opened up the table of fellowship and of the actual meal with uh, with with Gentiles. And so one of the things that I have thought about so many times, and Paul talks about it in 110, that we have to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Whose approval are you going to seek? Because it's not like these are people that can't make your life miserable. This was real. Peter wasn't making up that there was a threat that, that he couldn't be hurt by the people that were coming and were going to catch him with them. And they had the capacity to make his life miserable and, and he knew it, but you know, Paul was like, okay, so they do. We have to, we still have to stay in it. No matter what, we still have to stay in it. We have to fight this fight because there's always going to be somebody that is going to try to take our freedom from us and is going to try to drag us right back into slavery. Because let me tell you something, people that have a stronghold of legalism are never happy with people who don't. And they're not happy until they drag them back in it with them. And it is, listen, it's hard because it brings us, the letter causes us to face the fact that sometimes we are going to differ from people that we dearly want to approve of us dearly Mm. want to, but it does end with hope. It tells us how, what it looks like to walk in the spirit, uh, what it's like to, uh, to have that kind of freedom and to know what we're called to do. And 
one of the things that I would point you both to, you know it because it's, it's a verse that, that is a favorite out of Galatians, but where it says in Galatians 3, uh, 27 and 28 and 29, I just, I just have to read these verses to you. I'm reading out of the CSB right now. For those who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you were all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you were Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Did, did you guys know, and, and you may, you, you are scholars, but did you know that many theologians believe that this may have very uh, rightly been part of an ancient liturgy in the early church at baptism? And I just want y'all to ima imagine if that's so, what it would be like to have that said over you that there mm -hmm. we're just we're just one in christ clothed okay. in yeah. christ i mean it's just gorgeous and it's a game changer so uh man it it could not have more relevance in my opinion to to the world we're living in at this moment i, I think you're so right and something you said earlier i think it triggers a thought in my head that so much of this is about in galatians paul's tone and then also his advocacy for for the Gentiles, um, and I mean, you mentioned that earlier in in, yes. uh, in Galatians chapter two, and I think that's one thing that you've modeled well for many people. So when I hear somebody on Twitter ranting and saying, "Just preach the gospel and shut up," for for, yes. for some of us it we feels oppressive. Us. Yeah, but when Beth Moore says it, it feels it, it feels freeing and freeing for all of so, us. So tone yeah. tone matters tone and matter. advocacy yeah. matters. So. Can you talk about that, like, um, yes. especially as we're talking with church leaders, because talk about tone and the importance yes. of tone yes. and when to apply tone. And let me say, Daniel, that I, if I have succeeded at the right tone to any degree, I have just as regularly failed at it because I can occasionally absolutely lose it. And this is a really, really fun time for me to be able to tell you that one of the deals that Ed and I have, is, he is he has a much more level head than I do. I'm just, you know, I, I hope I'm somewhat level headed. But what I mean by that is I'm just gonna I'm fiery. I'm just fiery. And so he'll he said, you know what, if you wish you could say it, but you shouldn't, you can text it to me. So you can't believe the text that I've that I've sent. I, I actually could. But, I could read some right now. If you want to share <laughs> like live on the podcast? No, we won't do that. <laughs> no, but I get. I got that constantly, and I'll still get it from time to time. Just stick with the gospel, and this is when I want to go. This is gospel to care for the poor. I mean, Paul brings it up right in the middle of Galatians yep. when he says, you ask us that we would remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. All of it, they're in there. These are gospel matters. But yes, um, to be able to take a deep breath, to remember how much is said out of fear uh, that one of the things that the Lord has, has taught me is that if I can have compassion, if I can tap into the compassion of Christ and know what is driving some of the hatred and brutality, uh, then I, I'm more likely to be able to deal with it. And so often, you guys, it is, it's fear. It's fear. And, and it's, 
it's just easier to be mad than sad. And we're in a world that there's where there's so much suffering that it is sad. We're frustrated. We don't know what to do. And it, it's going to come out. But I, I'm going to tell you, I have won some friends by the grace of God. And I'm talking about, I, I mean, more than a few that were really, really ugly. Now, these would have been real life people and not just trolls, but real life people that just wanted to be extremely adversarial and to try to answer back a little more gently and try to say, for me, it's important that I sometimes say back, I realized yesterday I said something that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel arrogant when I said it. But it must have come across that way. So, man, I deleted it because, like, man, if that's how it came across. I don't want it on there. But to some, to say, I, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. I, I didn't mean to sound that way. These are these are things that that can really cross a bridge. And I'm not great at it, um, but I I make it my aim. I, I make it my aim. You know, I think it's interesting too because Paul, we talked about Paul Stone, and he was he was. He was not taking it anymore. He was he was laying yep. down some things on the inspiration yep. of the Holy Spirit. This is the inerrant word of God. It's a whole different level of our authority. But there are things in there. Uh, you know, you've memorized the whole book, that Galatians 5.12, which, you know, every first-year <laughs> yes. seminary student uh, tells to every junior high boy, uh, then you know, in the youth yes. group. Um, you know, I mean, how do you account for some of the harsh language? Because you and I would say today that maybe harsh language is not the way to go, but Paul uses some harsh language. You can, people can Google Galatians 5.12 if they'd like to. Talk to us about that. I read something a couple of days ago, and I'm going to, I'm going to put it in my own words, but I thought it was so well spoken. And, and the point was so good that when you see Christ, for instance, in the gospel, and you see him, I mean, fire up like that, because you see, you can see that paradigm in, and, and you, you see it in Paul here in Galatians. And it's not the only place you can find it in several other letters. It's just that it's so concentrated in Galatians that it's just a perfect example of it. But that the, the writer was pointing out that it was always in, in behalf of others. And I, I think that is such a great point that what, yes, Paul is heated up, but he is is heated up for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of people walking in the truth. And because he knows that the gospel was extended, I mean, as early from the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, it was already clear that, that the Lord was going for every nation, for Gentile as, as well as uh, Jew, that all of this was in his plan that from one people, I mean, that every nation would be blessed. That was preaching the gospel beforehand. So he is fighting for the freedom of the people that he had seen come to Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. If it were my class, my children, my grandchildren, a group that I had mentored, and I could see that suddenly this was going to be, the gospel is no longer enough. Now you need to add all of these things onto it. And in this case, it was circumcision. And he's going like, Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. And he, he says to them, there's a part of the letter where he just goes, listen, if you're going to do this, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. You don't even know, you don't know the freedom that he came to give you. So 
good grief, it is so important to see that what he is fighting for and that that he's going to go. Now, this is under the inspiration of the Holy of the Holy Spirit. He is going, I think, going for a shock factor. I think he means for that letter to come across in such a way that they are stunned into, okay, we sometimes when we're bewitched, it takes very strong words to shake us out of it. And I, I think, I think that's what he was going for. You know, he gets to the end and then he goes, and you know what? Don't trouble me anymore. <laughs> yeah. just, no, that's so awesome. It's so, so just, perfect. I'm done. I'm done. My give a darn is busted. He's <laughs> exactly. Uh, but 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 I but I do think I, I love your insight here that, um, and you're quoting somebody. But the the idea that um, that he was speaking up for those who would be harmed by yes. the religious, and that just sounds a lot like Jesus. Exactly. Um, and you know, he who was harsh to the religious, to the self righteous, and you know, the people Paul's writing to, they're not going to, I mean, they already got, they're already puffed up by their faith yes. and their legalism. And I, I read a Chuck Swindoll quote that said, I, I just don't take it anymore. I'm not taking this from these legalists anymore. But this causes a lot of damage. And whenever we mix things together, in this case, you know, Jew, Jewish rules with circumcision, I mean, you have to think about for just the craziness of this idea that that you would have to get, you here, pray to receive Christ, just to use the modern language, and by the way, afterwards, we have a little ceremony for you in the back that we need to circumcise you. Exactly. And just the the madness of that, yet I think 100 years from now, if the Lord hadn't returned, we're going to look back to some of the, the things people said about what Christianity is in America in 2020 and 2021, and we're going to say, what kind of madness was it? Exactly. But some people spoke up, and sometimes they spoke up in in difficult ways. And I, I think that's a... Uh, I'm, just, I'm just tracking with you. Um, when you wrote the study, well, first of all, tell me... You wrote it with Melissa, which I, I think is... I knew you were just about to bring her up. Yeah, because yes. we love Melissa. Melissa's a graduate of here of the Wheaton College uh, uh, graduate school, and uh, we, right. we love just to know her personally. So what's it like to write with Melissa? And then we'll, well continue back to the Galatians thing. Well, it's absolutely a blast. And I can tell you where Galatians differs just a bit from the ones that she's done with me prior to this. I brought her in. I started seeing what she could do when all the way back with Esther. And this would have been, I think, real soon after she came up. Wheaton was the first, she's got three graduate degrees. Yeah. And it but was the, the rest. Was who the cares first. about the rest? Who cares about the exactly. rest? She got one from Wheaton. Yes, yes, exactly. she would go that way. <laughs> so uh, she had really been able to uh, invest some wonderful things in, in the Esther Bible study. And I thought, because it was kind of between masters. And I, I, so I began to think, mm, she really is good, but she just did it on a research level. I love my own research. So she doesn't do, she doesn't do it for me. She does it with me. She does. She has access to libraries and publications and dissertations that I don't just because of her graduate work. So I knew then, man, she could really make an impartation. So we, when we got to James and I'm trying to think by this time by James, I'm wondering if she still was in a third master's, and I think probably she was, it probably overlapped. What I had her do there, I wrote all the homework still there, five days of homework each each week, but I had her do two articles a week. And so they would just be extras that would be in there for them to read. And so her, she's very different in her tone than I am. And, and that's what we think. And that's what our participants have told us 
really works for them is it, it really is two teachers for the price of one. Cause you can tell the difference cause I'm, our personalities are different and the way we approach it and see it is different. And so they really enjoyed it. So we did the same thing then for second Timothy, they had the same reaction. Well, we come to Galatians and I said, you know, she's thinking we're going to go on the same way we had. And I said, babe, I'm going to tell you something. You can write homework. I think this time you need to write two days a week and I'll write three. And she was like, you know, very resistant in the beginning. I, I said, she said, what if I can? I said, I'm very confident that you can. And I said, she said, but I don't write the same way you do. I said, you don't need, they don't want you to. They want you to bring what you bring to it. You do your thing. And so that's what she did. And that's just, it just works. We have gotten so much. I, I, I got to tell you guys this. We've gotten so much feedback that I really can't imagine. I still, you know, I write books that are just my own. I'm about two thirds through one right now. That's just mine. But with curriculum, I don't know that I will do curriculum without her again. I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do, but she's so good. And she brings, she just brings a little, she's, you know, she's also going to be an academic thinker. And um, I, I hope I'm a theological thinker, but she's bringing in that whole, she, she kind of rounds that thing off and, and brings it onto the page. And plus it's someone so fun to talk about it with. And wh one of the questions we get over and over, Ed and Daniel is, do y'all ever disagree? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Yes, we disagree. We love to tell about it, Tom, that we got in such a fight over something in James that we had to take it out on the back porch at the ministry. Cause it was like, mm. we're going to disturb everybody here. We just had a full on fight out there nice. about it, but it usually, well, you know, you is... fight and quarrel because you have not asked not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See what I did there? Thank <laughs> Sorry. You. Old James Thank you, out I, of quotation, out of context. I, James. Anyway. Yes, it is. But I love, I love writing with her because she yeah. just mm. brings something that I, I, I can't, I can't bring them. I don't have it to bring. I'd give them anything. And, and then she is also, she's going to write different than, than I do. So it's a ton of fun. I love doing it with her because it's just somebody to talk it through all the way through an, a, an entire uh, long, long obedience toward curriculum. Mm. You well know, cause you've done oh, it. I've done it. It's painful. Well, that concludes the end of the first part of our interview with Beth Moore, author of Now That Faith Has Come, A Study of Galatians. Be sure to join us next week for part two, where Beth shares her thoughts on leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. You can learn more about Beth and find her new Galatians study at www.lproof.org. And you can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcasts. Thanks again for joining us for the Sessor Church Leaders podcast. If you found our conversation helpful today, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review on iTunes that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. You can find this podcast as well as other great Christian podcasts on Faith Play, available for both Apple and Android. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.